Welcome to this episode of the National Police Association podcast number 12. Police Shooting, Project Exile and Project Safe Neighborhoods. From Foley, Alabama, a man was shot by a Foley police officer after he tried to grab the officer's gun. The officer stopped a car at Brinks Willis Road and James Road for improper lane usage. Police say the passenger was acting suspicious and he ran out of the car when it stopped. Foley police say the passenger, James Walker Stewart, ran from the officer, and a fight ensued. During the struggle, Stewart tried to grab the officer's gun. The officer fired his gun, striking Stewart. Stewart was taken to USA Hospital and underwent surgery. He is expected to live. The officer suffered minor injuries. Stewart has been charged with attempt to elude, resisting arrest, assault, and possession of controlled substance. Stewart also has felony warrants out of the Baldwin County Sheriff's Office that are unrelated. The officer has been placed on administrative leave with pay pending investigation. The patrol officer had initiated a traffic stop for improper lane usage in the area of Brinks Willis Road and James Road. The passenger in the vehicle was acting suspicious. Once the vehicle stopped, the passenger fled on foot. The officer deployed his taser, but was unsuccessful. The offender, James Walker Stewart, continued to run from the officer. The officer made contact with Stewart and a fight ensued. Stewart then tried to take the officer's gun. During the fight, the officer discharged his gun, striking Stewart. Stewart was taken via ambulance to USA Hospital. Stewart underwent surgery and is expected to live. The officer suffered minor injuries. Chief David Wilson has requested that the Baldwin County Major Crimes Unit, a multi-agency task force, to investigate this incident. This case is still under investigation. From Concord, California, CBS San Francisco reports a man attacking his elderly parents with a knife was fatally shot by Concord police officers. The shooting occurred on the 900 block of Oasis Drive, located west of Oak Grove Road and north of David Avenue. An older couple, aged 85 and 90, called dispatchers and said their 60-year-old son was acting erratically and was possibly under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Police spokesperson David Petty said, they told dispatchers their son was armed with a knife and a plastic gun. Neighbors had also called to report the man, as police arrived on the scene. They saw the man in the front yard with the Plasti C firearm. As officers approached him trying to de-escalate the situation, he retreated back into his parents' home. Police then saw the father walk outside the house suffering from serious injuries. Officers went inside the home and found the suspect straddling his mother while holding a knife. That is when the two officers fired their weapons at the 60-year-old son. Police said, he was pronounced dead at the scene. Neighbor Steve Kramer said it was sad that the man's father turned around when he heard the officer's gunshots sound off from within the home. He kind of turned around, and that just broke my heart because it was like, knowing your son is probably, you know, whether he was acting like an idiot or not, it's still your child, Kramer said. The two victims were transported to a local hospital Sunday evening and are being treated for serious injuries. Concord police have had previous encounters with a 60-year-old man, Petty said, when asked about what kind of issues the man had. He said, psychological, drug and alcohol, we've been here a short time, but he's been out in the yard and had some issues. Concord PD is working with investigators from the Contra Costa County District Attorney's Office to find out more about the case. From Rochester, 
The Project Exile Advisory Board reports that Project Exile is celebrating its 21st anniversary in Rochester, New York. During these years, approximately 900 criminals have been exiled and approximately 18,000 illegal guns have been taken off the streets. The program has been supported by three district attorneys, five United States attorneys for the Western District of New York, three sheriffs, and a number of police chiefs in Rochester as well as many others. In 1998, Rochester was the second city in the country to implement Project Exile. It was started by an assistant United States attorney in Richmond, Virginia. During a time when there was a lot of gun violence in the city, Rochester was also facing large amounts of gun violence, with the homicide rate hovering around 70 homicides per year, which gave it the distinction of having the highest per capita homicide rate of any city in New York State. That was not something the community wanted to be known for because it H has many things to be proud of. It has more quality higher education institutions in one county than most. It has access to international commerce because of the proximity to Canada and New York City, access to Lake Ontario and the beauty of the Finger Lakes, and the ability to get medical care at great healthcare facilities. These were the things Rochester wanted to be known for, and it was excited about the idea of the owing something to help curb the violence that was present in Rochester and help its reputation, through Project Exile. If someone is found to be in possession of a firearm when they had lost their right to legally possess one, and is tried and convicted, they can be exiled from the community and sent away to serve time in federal prison. The very first message of Project Exile was U plus illegal gun equal federal prison. When Mike Green became the district attorney for Monroe County, he asked for it to change to U plus illegal gun equal prison. He wanted to take a tougher stand on those who possessed illegal guns. Project Exile was endorsed by the Brady Gun Lobby as well as the National Rifle Association two groups that don't agree on much, and it is recognized all over the United States by the Department of Justice, the FBI, the Attorney General's Office, the Marshal's Office, and others. When the Project Exile Board meets each month, it focuses much of the conversation on how as a community it can help to set people on the right path and keep them from making bad choices. There are many wonderful community initiatives that have stemmed from Project Exile and Partners Against Violence everywhere including, A Horse's Friend, started by Matthew Doward, the Rochester Violence Youth Partnership, which was started by Drive, Mark Gestring and Drive, Michael Scharf, Project Tips, which illustrates community policing at its best, Homework Huddle, which meets every Monday to help children do better in school, and the Rochester City School District Leadership Program hosted at Camp Good Day's Recreational Facility on Cuca Lake, which is for students who are making the transition from elementary school to middle school. The type of camaraderie and partnership Project Exile has is not seen in many other places. Every month, representatives from law enforcement, elected officials, faith-based groups, hospitals, colleges, workforce programs and more come together and meet to see how they can help the community. From Mashboro, North Carolina, the Courier-Tribune reports a collaborative effort in Randolph County is working to identify the most violent criminal offenders throughout the county. During a gathering of the Randolph County Concerned Citizens Against Crime, Project Safe Neighborhoods Coordinator Rodney Trogdon explained the goals behind the initiative. Project Safe Neighborhoods is a nationwide U.S. Department of Justice initiative that brings together federal, 
state and local law enforcement officials, prosecutors and community leaders in partnership to identify the most pressing violent crime problems in a community and develop comprehensive solutions. It's been in existence for 18 years. In some places, in many counties surrounding Randolph Use Project Safe Neighborhoods, we've collected data from law enforcement agencies in the county, Trogdon said. The data documents the last 18 months of assaults, 18 months of robberies and three years worth of homicides in Randolph County. The data was then sent to the University of North Carolina at Greensboro, where it was broken down and analyzed. Rob Lang from the U.S. Attorney's Office, who was present at the meeting, shared his thoughts on Project Safe Neighborhoods. Lang believes in a data-driven, comprehensive approach to reducing violent crime that involves prevention, re-entry prosecution, better investigation and more collaboration, focusing on the 5 to 10 percent of people that are committing the 60 to 70 percent of the violent crime, we've got a small percentage of the criminal population that's doing most of the crime, he said, and they do it over and over and over. The research backs up his claims, two professors, Drive, Stacy Seacrest and John Weil, presented their findings. The process of developing a list of the most violent offenders began with a gathering of information from law enforcement, prosecutors and probation partners, a violent incident report, which gathered data on assaults, robberies and homicides, was compiled, as well as a gang audit, the gang audit identified violent gangs or groups and gathered data on their activity, members and leadership. Seacrest and Weil used that information to develop a detailed analysis of crime trends and dynamics, along with strategy recommendations. What this strategy does is utilize data to try and understand who it is, who's responsible for driving that crime, what the nature of that type of crime is, if it's gang-driven, if it's the drug market, if it's having to do with domestic violence, Weil explained. When observing the past 18 months of aggravated assaults and armed robberies, along with three years of homicides, their research resulted in the following findings in Randolph County, both victims and offenders in these incidents were often known to law enforcement prior to the incident, drug involvement is high in violent incidents, drug dealers are at high risk for victimization, including being shot and killed, most violent incidents reviewed occurred between victims and offenders who knew one another as acquaintances, gang involvement was high in violent incidents, though the incident was not always motivated by gang or rival beef, many offenders and victims in the violent incidents were on active probation slash supervision at the time of the incident, juvenile involvement in violent incidents was higher in Randolph County as compared to other Project Safe Neighborhoods sites. Locations of violent incidents were often public spaces and commercial locations, which puts the general public and safety of the community at risk. Their findings also identified 14 gangs in Randolph County, three of which were described as very active. Of all of the gangs in Randolph, the research determined that the Bloods are the most active. Now that the data has been gathered, Randolph County can get to work on the ultimate goal of the Project Safe Neighborhoods initiative, lessening the violent crime. What we're trying to do is drive the offenders to a fork in the road and let them know we understand what they're doing, while explained, we drive them to a point where they're making a decision, we're trying to give them options to choose other paths with resources and help and assistance, Project Safe Neighborhoods will have call-ins, in which the identified violent offenders will be gathered and warned that they are being closely watched and if they continue down the same path, they will face consequences, including prison time. 
Randolph County will have its first call-in in the near future. This news brought to you by the National Police Association. To learn more about how you can help law enforcement accomplish its goals visit nationalpolice.org.